Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Assistant Pastor Tim Rogers. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, with, they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, because although they knew God, all right, that's a, that's a, a key point there. They knew God. They did not glorify him as God. All right, so they knew God, but they didn't give him any glory that he was God. Okay? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Amen. So this morning, if you're going to put a title down, it's going to be Looking Through the Stained Glass Windows of a Church. Looking Through the Stained Glass Windows of a Church. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We praise you, Father, Lord. Lord, that we know, Lord, that we are nothing without you. Lord, we ask you, Father, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, Father, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, that, Lord, that change may come, Father, Lord. Lord, that we may be able to glorify you, Lord, and be your disciple here on the earth. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so stained glass windows. So when you think about stained glass windows, you think about a church, or at least I do, right? Most of the time, when you see them, they're on a church, very big church. Those churches are so beautiful, right? The insides, the architecture, how they're built, you know, the furnishings, the paint, all of that stuff just goes together so well. It's just awesome to see. And from the outside, normally, if it has stained glass windows somewhere where you can see them, that's the first thing you see. You kind of look out in the distance. Oh, what's that over there? Oh, a church. Okay. So to me, when I see them sometimes, it makes me wonder, well, what's in the inside? Because if the outside looks this good, right, the inside has got to be, right? So your expectation is already set up when you see these. You know, there are different murals within those windows, different colors. And my mind just goes to, this has got to be awesome walking through there. But the question is, is that when you get a little bit closer to the church, what do you really see in the inside? What do you see in the inside? All right. So we're going to leave that there for just a minute. Right. So we're going to switch over just for a second. All right, so how many people like the window shop? All right, come on. All right, now look, I agree that it's better that you can just go ahead and shop, right? All right. (laughs) Window shopping is kind of the default that we don't want, right? We don't want that one, right? Okay, but let's just say we are going to go window shop, right? 
when you window shop, you got a display most of the time, right? And in that display is normally some type of clothing, article, you know, furniture, paint, whatever it is that the store is supposed to be advertising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you go and see that display at that store, what is supposed to happen? It's supposed to give you the inclination to go in. So that display is supposed to draw you in, right? That's why they set it up. They set up those little pretty mannequins. It's got the right bag on with the right shoes, right? You go in, <laughs> all right? You know, it's got that suit with the right vest on, the one color that you've been looking for, right? So you go in. Now, when you go in, though, what happens if they don't have that? <laughs> we want it off the mannequin, amen. <laughs> amen, right? But that would be a huge disappointment to see that pretty display and then go in and not experience what you just saw. That would be that would be a shame, wouldn't it? You know, for some people that might be fighting words. They ain't they ain't playing, you know. I want to go in here and get some clothes. All right? So now, if we think about this, if we kind of go back to that window again, right? I believe that we are the window of the church. Okay? We're that stained glass window. And that when people look at us, they should be intrigued enough to come ask us about Jesus. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right? So we're supposed to be out there. We're on display at all times. This doesn't end. No matter where we are, we're on display. Okay? So that interaction is, is that whenever we get an opportunity to interact with anyone outside of the church, we should be able to draw them in based on how beautiful we look, but not really because it's us. Does that make sense? Because if they're, we're window, right, they should be able to look right through us and see the kingdom. All right? So I'm not putting the focus on us. The focus is not on us. We're just kind of there out there, oh, oh, that looks nice. All right? But now this same rule applies now too, though. What happens if they take a glance and they get a little bit closer to that window but they don't see what they were expecting to see. That's, that's not as good, right? So when we think about this, a window, a window on a building, the primary purpose of a window is to let the natural light in. All right? I want to change that a little bit for the church because I'm going to say that a window for a church is supposed to let the spiritual light out. So we put them on our houses, we put them on buildings, office buildings, all of that stuff has windows. Why? Because they want to get the light in. It should be the reverse for the church. The windows on the church are so the light can get out. So the light of the kingdom should be going through us out there. Right? So that when people see that, they're intrigued and they say, I got to have some of that. I may not understand it. I may not be completely ready for it, but I'm willing to check this out and see what's going on. Amen? So this should be happening every time we have an interaction with someone that is outside of the church. But what kind of got me to this is, is that a lot of times when 
you talk to people that haven't been to church or aren't saved or, you know, have backslidden and been out of the church for a while, they generally don't have good things to say. Not initially, at least. Now, maybe they'll get around to it. But this, there are a couple of phrases that always come to mind, and every time I think about someone asking me, I always kind of hear it in the background that these comments come up. So I'm just going to tell you these comments. I'm sure you all have heard them, all right? So this is not going to be any shocker here. But what I want you to see is we're going to kind of focus on this because what God had me do was ask the question, why do they say that? Because that's the real important point. I mean, yeah, they said it, but why are they saying that? Okay? So, you know, people outside of the church tend to think that church people are self-righteous. People outside of the church tend to think church people are judgmental. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do. People outside of the church tend to think church people are hypocritical. That was the one that really got me. The hypocritical one was the one that got me. Because I kept asking myself, why would they say that? Right? If we've got all of this love, we're showing them Jesus, why would they say we are a hypocrite? just didn't add up for me. All right? It, it, it just didn't. I was musing on this. I'm like, man, God, you got to show me this. All right? So now, this takes us back to what we just read in Romans chapter 1. All right? Because I believe he answered me when I asked him, why did they say that? Because it can be disheartening to always hear that no matter what. You know, no, for me personally, it happens a lot when, you know, I go around some extended family. You know, you know, I get, you know, I'm the one that you just too holy. You just too judgmental. Why are you always saying that? Well, the honest truth is, is that I'm really saying it in love. I'm hoping that really is my intent. But it's not really me that you don't like. It's the conviction that you're getting that you don't like. Amen. So. Again, I'm not necessarily saying that even what is being said out there is absolutely true. I'm just saying the perception from the outside in is this is what church people are. This is how they can be. All right? So going back to Romans chapter 1, when we look at this, now there's a lot in these few little scriptures here. So, but there are a couple key things that I want you to see. It says that heaven... For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So he's talking about men that are unrighteous, right? Okay? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So they're suppressing the truth. Well, what truth is that? The truth of God. Right? And then if you go down to verse 20, it says, for since... The creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. His invisible attributes are clearly seen. So this is the one that kind of got me. So go with me for a little bit here. Invisible attributes. So basically the word is telling us that unrighteous men know the attributes of God. That's, that's what it's saying, right? So now. If we go up to a person 
and they don't see those attributes, then there's the problem. Now, I've just never seen it in this context. I've read this scripture a ton of times, but I never really put it together like this. So, because we always, at least me, let me take that back. Let me say me. I always just kind of made the assumption it's because they didn't know. What happens if it is because they do know? So because God says that his, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, and in the context of this scripture, he's talking about people that are unrighteous or unsaved, right? He's saying they know his attributes. So if we happen to roll up a little bit and they don't see those attributes, there's the problem. They're saying, I do know what that is. That, that's not what... That's not what that should look like. All right. So to me, is, is that we just have an opportunity to learn more about the word. That's it. That's it. So this is not meant to be bad. I'm just saying that even for me, God got me. How do they see you when you come? <laughs> I had to make it personal because... It was like, well, God, that's the only thing they are seeing because they're not coming in here. Well, they're not coming in because they already see me because I'm out there. And because I'm out there, what they're seeing doesn't line up with what the word is. And the word says that they know the attributes of God, but maybe there's a little bit of problem with what I'm showing. So that window, when they pierce into me a little bit, they're like, hold up, that ain't what that's supposed to look like. Because we're the window. Amen? All right. So there are three times in the scriptures where it talks about just and unjust in the same scripture. So we're going to go through those. And I believe that God is going to show us the attributes that, that need to be seen out there. Okay? Now, I am not by in any means saying that these are the only attributes of God. These are just the ones where these two particular people are together within the scripture and there's a reference to God's attributes together, okay? So everybody got me on that one? All right. So let's go ahead over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have old school today. We're going to go through the word a little bit. We're going to do Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading at verse 43. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read. And it reads, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That way you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he has made the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you the first one. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So this first attribute that the unjust need to see is unconditional love. 
unconditional love. All right? So in this scripture, Jesus is talking about love specifically at this point, but this is part of the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? And he goes over a lot of things in there. One of the things he goes over, adultery. He goes over murder, right? Now, what was stuck out to me on this, though, is, is that this little part that says, you have heard that it was said. That's so poetic. <laughs> I could never write that, right? You have heard that it was said, right? So, but I don't know that I really paid attention to that's what the word said initially. So what that means is, is Jesus is saying that the people have heard one thing. And now he's coming to say, no, what you heard is not really exactly right. Let me tell you what it should be. So in this particular instance, he's not saying that they hadn't heard anything. He's just saying, I need to make a little bit of a correction in how that's being applied. Because you have heard that you should hate your enemy. No. He's calling us to love our enemies, to pray for them, right? Well, why, though? The why comes after that. Because the Father sends the rain and the sun rises and falls on the unjust, right? So why are we to love our enemies? Because it's an example of what the Father would do. That's the point of it. So Jesus is basically saying is, is that you can't love the way you want to love. You have to love the way the Father loves and not love the way you feel. All right, because... So I know there are some people, everybody you run up on, you love them. Come on. All right, okay, all right, all right. I, I didn't think I had to say that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Because I know there are some folks that I've had a, a little bit of a tough time, praise God. It was kind of like, hold up now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Love them? Ho, ho, ho. Right? But what I had to do was I had to pierce into my own heart, though, when I said that. <laughs> Why? Because I was in the same boat, too. God shouldn't have loved some of the mess I did, too. Just, just keep it real, right? I, I did some stupid stuff, and I was sinning, too. As Apostle likes to say, there was no sin we didn't like. Yep, all of it was fun, right? <laughs> so it was all fun. But, but when God got to my heart and he showed me his love, the love that I had never experienced before, everything in my life got turned around. But sometimes the only way that people are going to experience that love is through us. Because the reality of it is a little bit, sometimes they're just not going to come into the church, at least not initially. So our opportunity is when we see them out there. That's when our opportunity is to show unconditional love. Because when I didn't deserve it, he loved me. When I didn't listen to him, he still loved me. When I messed it up, he still loved me. And I know that I have thrown this around thinking, I don't know why they did that. 
And my attitude completely towards them changed. Because we understand that love is an action word. Right? So if I'm not doing something for someone, I can't be doing a whole lot of loving, too, at the same time. It's just not there. So then I had to ask myself the question, the difficult one, right? Uh, how many times have I truly been unloving when I've been out there? When that person that may not have been saved came to my desk and I had something smart to say because I didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> or when I was in the store and the person coming down the other side of the aisle tried to run me over with their cart. <laughs> or better yet, you're in the store and a child is behind the cart and they run it up on your feet. I'm not going to tell you the first thing that came to my mind was to love them at that point. All right? Now, you know, we're making light of the situation a little bit as far as what's happening, but I'm trying to make a point here is, is that we got to have love at the forefront no matter where we are and no matter what we're doing and no matter how we feel. We have to. Because the Father does. He says he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. Now, some people will say, well, so that happens every day. Hold up now. <laughs> there was a time in the word on this earth where the sun came up, but it didn't shine everywhere. Right? So we understand that God could do it if he wanted to. It could shine on one region and not another. Uh-huh. Yeah, talk to Pharaoh, right? Right? That's right, when the, when the plagues came, it was pitch black for three days. The only place that had light was Goshen, right? So we understand that God could do it. So this isn't just some little random thing that Jesus is saying. God could say, you know what, no, nah. you, you acting crazy? You ain't getting none of that. He could. Right? So that kind of brought it home for me because sometimes we just take that for granted that it just, that it rains on everybody, not just on your house. Everybody in the area gets it. Amen? But are we really loving the way we should, saints? Are we really doing that? Because there is no bias. And that was my problem. I had a bias. <laughs> I only loved when you was my friend and we was cool. <laughs> After that, it was like, no, nah, I don't even want to deal with you. You can go ahead back home, right? Or I can leave, one of the two, right? Now, I know I'm not the only one in here that has ever done that. You know, and you know what, we're not going to listen to the person that, uh, <laughs> all right? So amen, unconditional love. So when the unjust look at us through our window, they need to be able to see unconditional love. 
And the reason they need to be able to see it is because they know what it looks like. They know what it looks like because the sun rises on them. They know what it looks like because God provides for them too, even though they don't know it. They know it because Romans chapter 1 just told us that they know the invisible attributes of God. Amen? All right. Y'all ready for the second one? All right, let's go over to Acts. The first one, the first attribute of God that the unjust need to see is unconditional love. So Acts chapter, Acts chapter 24, and we're going to read verses 14 and 15. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that, that there will also be a resurrection of the dead, both the just and the unjust. All right. Amen. So the first, the second attribute that the unjust need to see is confidence in the word. Confidence in the word. All right, so let me set kind of what's going on here. This is Paul talking, right? Um, this is when he's in front of Governor Felix, as the word says, and he has been arrested for basically preaching the gospel. And what happens is, is that some of the Jews at the time weren't really agreeing on what he said, so they caused an uproar among the people. And because there was such an uproar, <laughs> something had to be done. So basically, they arrested Paul. So this is him on his way to ultimately being in Rome, right? So he's just coming before one of the governors right now. This is his opportunity to speak. So he's asking, can he at least talk about what his side of the story is, is basically what's going on. And he says that he is confident or has hope in the Father's in the prophets, and in the law, right? So what's happening is here is, is that there are some Jews that don't believe the way. So the way is salvation through Jesus, okay? So that's what Paul is preaching. So there's an uproar between the people. Some people are saying, yeah, that's true. Some people are saying the other thing, right? So everybody's confused, and, and, and stuff is just going crazy. So... In Paul's admission, when he's talking in front of this governor, he says they classified as a sect, right? So they don't even, they're like, this dude's crazy. You know, we, we, we believe our fathers, you know, we believe the Old Testament, we believe the law, but they, they ain't trying to get with this Jesus, okay? So this kind of brought me to some of the things that how we may have people that we run into as well and have interaction with. We're going to have interaction with people that just believe Jesus was just a man. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're going to have interaction with people that just believe that Jesus was a prophet. We have those folks. The problem comes in is when you say Jesus is God. There, there's the problem. There, there's the issue. Soon as that said, it's like, uh oh, this is a this is a whole new type of water here. I don't know if I believe that, right? 
So the same thing that Paul was experiencing then, we're experiencing it right now. Same thing's going on. So it's not any different. So, but now, the question that I had to ask myself is, is that would I have enough confidence to get up in front of a governor and say, I believe Jesus Christ? Because that's basically what he's saying. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been everywhere. And he ain't backing down. His confidence is so strong, he said, look, I'm going to tell you what it is. This is the reason you arrested me. I believe it, but I also believe this, that Jesus Christ is the way. So now it asks me is, is that uh, would I have enough gumption to do that? Would I have enough to do that? Complete confidence in totality in the complete word of God. I mean, even right now, you still have some people that will tell you they don't even believe part of the Bible. Yeah, I believe that part, but I don't believe that. Well, wait a minute. How are you going to take part of it out? <laughs> right? You believe this section, but not this section. But it was all to, it's all together, right? How are you going to do that? Right? So having complete confidence in the word is what the unjust need to see. And the reason they need to see that is because God has confidence in his word. He never has no confidence in his word. Right? Isaiah 55, right? No word from him is void of power. It shall accomplish what he pleases, right? That's a whole lot of confidence. There, there is no wiggle room in there. When I say it, it's going to happen, period. <laughs> is this going to be our opportunity that even as apostle taught that we have to be stand-up Christians in this bow-down world, Right? When we get to it, are we going to be able to say it? When the rubber hits the road and it gets tough, are we going to be able to stand on our faith and say, you know what, this is what I believe and that's the end of it? Because it's easy to say it when we hear. When nothing else is going on. You know, we having a little, <laughs> we talking about the word, we love Jesus, yeah. And then we go out there and then it's like, hold up now. Right, so I'm going to just use me again. I'm going to use me, right? So one of the toughest times in my life was around, um, I had a situation where I, I didn't like my job very much. I'm sure some of y'all can relate. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't really like my job at all. But there was really no way for me to get out of it. Uh, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I kind of put some things in motion because of my faith, actually, believe it or not. That just actually just dawned on me because I had actually forgot I said that. But um, in my job, I was working too much. And I finally went to my boss, and I'm like, here's my job description. This is what you're asking me. They don't line up. So I'm not doing anything that's not in this description. If you want me to do it, it needs to be in there. Right? Because what was happening was is that this was right about the time that God was uh, calling me to be up here. And it was, it was running me. I was getting, I didn't have no time. It was work, 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 weekends, conference calls. We got to be on, no, no, no. Can't do it. So I kind of just went to him and said, look, this is, this is what it has to be. <laughs> so at that point, I had all confidence in God. Because if I hadn't, I would have been in trouble. Now, here's the kind of the thing that I got, that kind of messed me up is, is that I thought it was going to change quickly. It didn't, okay? That, that's for me personally. <laughs> it, 
it was still another year and a half or two before I even got out of that same job. Okay? But even when I did get another opportunity, it still didn't go that good. Everything went great. The interview was good. They loved me. Oh, yeah, we're going to offer you this job. Two days later, they called me. Well, you know what? The hiring manager changes the description of the role. You don't quite meet it. Uh-oh. Now, you, now, you, now I, I gave you all a really brief synopsis of how this went, right? But you got to imagine me now, right? <laughs> I'm believing God. All right, I mean, your time in God, you're going to hook me up. Let me get up out of here. <laughs> I get, I wait. This job comes. I really want it. I meet the qualifications. There's no issues. They're getting ready to hire me. And then it stops. And I remember riding home. <laughs> I remember riding home, and I said, God, you know what? If it doesn't come, I still love you. I'm not even going to worry about it. Don't really know why I said it, but I didn't have anything else to really say, to be honest. What was I going to do? They called me back two weeks later. Two weeks. Yeah, not even like two days. Two weeks. Basically trying to track me down, trying to find me, because they couldn't find me. Oh, we want to make that offer to you now. Now, I, I, I can't prove this, saints. I can't. But I truly believe that if my heart hadn't been right that first time when I went through, that door would have closed. But praise God, my heart was right. And I didn't put more value on that job than on my God. So my confidence was built based on that situation. But I had to go into it full stream, right? Now, one of the things that I, I thought about when you think about confidence, it's like, it's all right when you have confidence in you. When you got to have it in someone else, that may be a little bit more difficult. So, i.e., I'm going to give you an example so you... This is clear. If I'm driving my car, I'm confident that I ain't going to hit nothing. But if I'm flying in a plane that I have no clue what that guy's been doing, and I'm flying here to California, my confidence ain't quite as strong about that. Right? Now, people fly all the time. It's safe. Okay. But I'm just saying, just go with the analogy here. That's totally different when you're putting your life in someone else's hands. So your confidence can be controlled by how much control you have. Oh, uh, okay, okay. All right, so for me, I always felt like I had more confidence when I knew I was in control. If something wasn't going right, I could change it. If something needed to be said, I could say it. If something needed to be done, I could do it. So now, what happens, though, when you can't do that? <laughs> All right. So I do believe that part of your confidence can come through the amount of control you think you have. Now, here, here's the kicker, though. You don't have any control of anything that's going on in your life. So when you hand it over to God, you got to trust him completely with it and know for sure that you have all confidence that he has your back, period. There is no way to get around it. 
Because even if you know what God's going to do, you can't control the time and when he does it either. <laughs> now, praise God. We're all praying that it's quick. Praise God. But you don't have any control over that. It is not like you can just go, God, I want it right now. Do it now. I'm tired of waiting. Now, I know, I know, some people have tried that before. Doesn't work very well. No, doesn't work very well. All right? So the amount of control that you have can affect the confidence that you have. Amen? All right. So the second attribute of God that the unjust need to see is confidence in the word. And with that goes, I'm going to give you this quote right here because I think it applies. Um, because one of the things that you see a lot of the times, especially when you put your confidence in someone else, is sometimes you get a lot of lip service. Y'all know what lip service is, right? Yeah, I can be there for you. I'll do that for you. You call them up. No, I can't do that right now. You know, I'm getting ready to start this endeavor. You know, I might need your support financially. You know, I'm coming to you ahead of time. Oh, yeah, I got your back. I got you. You call them up. You know, I, you know that you know, thing we talked about? I need to have that. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. No. All right. So one of the things that we have to ensure of with our confidence is that we got to have integrity with it. Amen. So this quote is, is that who you say you are. All right, we're going to have a little bit of math problem here. This is for Elder. Math problem. <laughs> who you say you are plus what your actual actions are equals who you really are. All right, y'all need to hear that one again? Yeah, yeah. Uh, who you say you are, plus sign, plus sign, plus sign. Man, you know I got the braces on, girl. Don't be doing that. <laughs> Don't come out as good as you used to. All right. <laughs> who you say you are, plus what your actual actions are, equal who you really are. So what, what I'm getting at here is it's not, a, not enough just to tell people you're going to do stuff. It's not enough just to say I'm going to commit, but you don't actually do it. Because really what you're doing is, is that you're falsifying who you are. That's not who you are. If you say it and then don't do it, then that's not you. And a lot of people get caught up in that. I'm going to do it, 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 and they never do it. It's important. It's important because it would be a shame for there to be more integrity outside the church than inside. That would be a shame. <laughs> Amen? So the first attribute that the unjust need to see is unconditional love. The second attribute that the unjust need to see is confidence in the word. And let's get this last one. Uh, let's go over to 1 Peter 3. Um, I'm actually going to read 17 and 18. 1 Peter 3, 17 and 18. All right. It reads, For it is better 
if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For, Jesus, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So the third attribute the unjust need to see is our willingness to be sacrificed. Our willingness to be sacrificed. Now, we live in an age that probably hasn't changed a whole lot, that people want what they want right now. And nobody wants to make a sacrifice for anything. Oh, Lord. I mean, I got to work to get that. I mean, really? That, that's how it's going to got to go? Yes, you have to work to get that. Um, one of the things that you, you see a little bit too much of, unfortunately, especially in the younger generations, is, is that everything has to be immediate and now. I don't really want to have to work. I just want it to come to me, and I receive it, and then I live off the benefits. Unfortunately, I've had quite a number of conversations about understanding that you've you got to work for the things that you want, period. There, there, there is really no way around it. And uh, it's like, wow. And you continually see this, see this, and see this. But I believe that there are a lot of people that feel the same way. They don't want to sacrifice anything to get anything. They don't want to put in the tough work up front to get the benefits for the rest of your life. The, the benefits are for the rest of your life. But they just don't see it. Now, in this scripture, it's talking about Jesus being the just in this scripture and us being the unjust, that he was willing to die for us. The just for the unjust, us, so that we may know God. So there may be times when we have an interaction with people outside of the church where we have to die to our flesh. So basically that means doing the stuff you really don't want to do. Dying to the flesh. Because we just want to do what we want to do sometimes too. Now here, here's, a, here's an example. Uh, I had an opportunity and um, I needed something from someone. And uh, this particular person had it. Ah, uh, sucky, sucky now. All right, they had it in abundance. Okay? And when I asked for it, <laughs> my expectation was, you know what, this shouldn't be a problem. You know, we can work something out, whatever I need to do, but I, I really need this. Well, that person turned me down. Oh, they did. <laughs> they turned me down, right? And when they did, I got bitter about it. And at this point, I didn't really see this illustration that I'm going to talk about as it relates to this, but now I see it. Because what happened was I got some counsel from someone else and said, you know what, it's more important that you had that relationship than you being mad and bitter because they didn't do what you wanted. And that was a tough pill to take, guys. I'm, I'm not going to, I was pretty mad about that. I didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to hear it at all. I'm like, I'm not doing that. They did me wrong. 
right? That was my attitude. They did me wrong. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't have it. He had it. So there was really no excuse not to do it, right? That was my thinking. That's my logic, right? So when this person gave me this counsel on this and said, you know what, you need to make that right, I fought it. <laughs> and I fought it for a little while. But then finally, I just said, you know what, let's, let's just try to make this work. And today, I will tell you that the relationship with that particular person is pretty awesome. However, at that moment, what that was is me dying to my flesh. Because my flesh was telling me, ain't no way that we even going to talk. <laughs> Not even for a couple years. I don't know if I'll talk to you for the rest of my life. That's how serious I was about this. Why? Because this thing that I needed, I really needed it. This wasn't like no passing, oh, I just need 50 bucks. No, no, no. This had, I'm like, really? I'm trying to do the right thing. You ain't, you ain't going to help me out with this? So that was my mentality. But I had to die to what I wanted. Because what I wanted was is just to leave it the way it was, to leave it dead. So there may be times when we have an interaction with the folks outside of the church where we might have to die to our flesh. And it never feels good. That initial step is like, oh boy. Reconciliation is one of those ones. Because with reconciliation comes what? Forgiveness. Oh boy. Now we got to talk about forgiveness too? Yes. The forgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness, right? I know that I think most of us have had the experience where we ain't feel like forgiving nobody. And we had our own justifications. But again, what does that make it look like? Because God says that he will forgive us. If we come and repent, he automatically sends forgiveness. Period. Done. He doesn't waver. He doesn't say, well, you know, you still went back and did that. Nope, he, he doesn't do that. Now, we repent with a true heart, too. All right, so we need to make sure we're repenting right. Not repenting and then just going back and doing what we were doing. No, repent, right? So we turn the other way and start walking toward him, right? When we do that, his forgiveness is immediate. It's in abundance. It says that, the word says that his mercy endures forever. That's part of his mercy. We get it immediately. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to do any of that. All we have to do is confess our sins. That's it. Repent and move forward. God says it's just like it never happened. Boop, boop, boop. It's erased from the record. Gone. Now, what if we had that same heart? On everything, though. Because it's easy to pick and choose which ones you want to do it on. We'll pick the easy ones. Oh, I'll call her. I'll send her a card, but I ain't going to her house and doing it. God told you to go over there and forgive him. You say, God, well, I'll send her a card. Right? So you're trying to half step. You're trying to do one of these. Well, I obeyed you, God. No, you didn't. You skirted around it and thought that was going to work. I did, I did it too. I did it too. 
we, we all have. That's what's so awesome. We're all in here. I've done it too. So we have to understand that we have to be willing to die to our flesh. And it's, in, it's so important when we're out there. It really is. It's so important. It might be the difference between someone receiving Jesus and not. It really could be. That you lend a helping hand even though your schedule is booked for that day. Or you do that nice gesture even though you don't feel like it. Again, just taking the extra step to say that it's worth it. And um, when you see it in action, guys, it, it's so awesome. I had an opportunity yesterday to be out in the mud at my house. I had to be out there in the mud, right? Um, our little mulchy stuff in front of the house, you can tell that I know a whole lot about this. So it was needed to be changed out, right? So I went to the Lowe's to get some mulch, and I was in there to get in there and get out because I already knew I had to get ready for today, and I had all the stuff to do. And I'm like, look, we got, we got to move it. Let's keep it moving. Where's mulch? Okay, it's right there. Let's go. Well, so you know, sure enough, lady comes up with her little wheelbarrow thingy, and she's just kind of looking. And at first, see, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with y'all. She didn't say anything. She didn't. I was like, oh. So I said, ma'am, do you, do you want me to grab that mulch for you? And she said, oh, you're such a dear. I would love that. I need four of them. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> four. I, yeah, I need four, though. I said, sure, I, I can do that for you. So I pile them on there. And uh, I about think that it made that lady's day. I, I, I don't know her. I don't know what she's going through. I don't know anything about her. But just doing that small gesture, she looked at me, she looked at my bride and my daughter, and she said, you have such the sweetest family. And she asked my wife, can I take him home? So what that meant to me, though, was is that it really touched her heart that somebody just asked her if she needed some help. That let me know that how many people go into the store seeing somebody needs help and they don't do anything. Because her reaction was so genuine about it. So she's been multitude of places where people have seen that she needed help and just looked at her. Now, I don't know what that's going to do, but I know one thing. It showed the love of God right then. It was clear to her that's what that was, whether she knows it or not. Whether she accepts the fact that that's what it was or not. So again, even just that small thing, when we're willing to put aside our own flesh and our own needs and our own wants for someone else. Amen? So the third attribute the unjust need to see is a willingness to be sacrificed. Amen? So with that, I'm going to close.
Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Hope that it made sense. Um, but I want to leave you with this thought is, is that, one, that we are that stained glass window. And when I say stained glass window, we have all been through a bunch of hurts and pains, disappointments, failures, successes. So all of that makes up the stained glass. But when we're on the church and God's light shines through us, all you see is beauty. None of those scars that came, you don't see them. None of those disappointments, you don't see them. None of those hurts, you don't see them. When we're completely transparent in who we are and we just let God shine through us, all that comes out is beauty. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.